Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 179. I'm Killian Vigna. And I'm Zoe Belil Springer. This week on the show, we're joined by RNCO's Vice President of Social Media and Community, Alison Alhamid, as we discuss creating genuine connections and the benefits of being part of a network of like minded professionals. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your salon's business and marketing needs. Many of the relationships that I've had in my personal life and really my professional life have been advanced through what's happening privately. To me, there was this statistic that stood out that was like after three years, something staggering, like 77% of people drop out of the industry. And community to me means support that reignites that passion, that reignites that feeling of you're not alone. Oh, you're going through that too. And, And sharing and support and having a network really for me and To me, now looking at the industry and as it relates to community, it's about the people. Over the years, you've put in a relentless amount of work to build your clientele. You've established a bond with your regulars. Some of your clients have perhaps even become good friends of yours outside of the salon. You've seen them in their highs and most likely some of them in their lows. You've invested time, money and effort building a firm enough online handshake that they'd finally come into your salon or spa. Does that mean you have a community? What makes a community? Is what you have perhaps more of a following? How do you get brand communities right? Who should they serve and what advantages or opportunities do they create? To better understand the concept, we have the pleasure of being joined by Alison Alhamid. I met Alison when she served as the content strategist for all of Modern Salon's media digital channels, education events, monthly print magazine, social media platforms. In fact, I think the first time we met was in New York a good two years ago now already. She has spent the last 12 years as editor-in-chief of one of the industry's most respective outlets for professionals and has a deep understanding of the salon industry. Today, she's RNCO's Vice President of Social Media and Community. Uh, she's a regular to podcasting and speaking engagements herself. She actually often presents on how to build and strengthen social media communities and engagement. So without further ado, Alison, thank you so much for joining us today. I've been excited for this conversation for some time now. Um, first of all, how are you? Thank you for asking how I am. And it's so funny, like we're so used to being like, good, how are you? And totally not meaning it. (laughs) Not only is everything awful and crumbling, but um, I'm also just ready to move on to the conversation. But today I'm actually really good. Life is good. Um, I have a kindergartner who is e-learning. We share a wall. So if you hear some drama, it's because we're we're still working through the kids of <laughs> learning. Um, but yeah, life is good. Um, it's, it's so different and so crazy and completely upside down from what I thought it would be. Um, if I just were to like think back to a year ago and where I yeah. was and where I am now, but I know that that's not unique. I think most people right now are sort of like shrugging their shoulders and can't believe that the conversations we have, the ones that we're having, the one, what we're thinking about, what keeps us up at night everything's just so different. Yeah. But today I'm good. Every day is a different story. Today, good. Love it. You you look like you're in a great mood anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Well, actually as well, uh, congratulations on the new role. Um, We mentioned it in the intro there, but uh, you've now made the switch of 12 years as an editor-in-chief at Modern Salon, now working with R&Co as a vice president of uh, social media and community. How's the transition been for you? 
like, I know that our audience can't see me right now, but I can't, I hope you can hear the smile coming through. It's so good. It's everything that I hoped it would be. And even though the role has evolved into something different from what was originally sketched out when we talked about this um, potential of me joining R&Co, it couldn't possibly be better. I'm so happy here, like just so happy. And um, all the things I hoped that a job uh, transition would bring me, it totally has. And I had a lot of fear. I think anyone that's been with a brand for a long time, um, you know, especially one that's responsible for a family and responsible for a lot of stuff in life. I had a lot of fear about changing. You know, I, my first job out of college was at Modern Salon. And so that's all I knew. And so it was really scary for me to make the transition. And every day, you know, I just texted our president, Dan Langer, just with a thank you. Just like I woke up and I just was just feeling grateful Mm -hmm. and let him know that, you know, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for, I mean, he changed my life. So we've been flirting with the idea for a long time. Like, what would this look like if I were to join R&Co and, and what am I leaving behind? Yeah. What, how, how would I be growing? And, um, Every day I'm grateful I made the move every single day because it's just opened up such a new opportunity for me and really invited in different people into my life that otherwise I wouldn't have crossed paths with. And it's just been so remarkable. That's amazing. You said the role that had been sketched for you has kind of changed. Has it changed, first of all, because of COVID? And what does it entail now, really? 100%. Um, You know, we we had these big dreams of um, in-person education and touch points of live events and how we unite live coverage of those events and bring this education to the masses through social media. And my first day was March 4th. Literally a week later, everything blew up. You know, it's in some ways, it's crazy to think about how much the world changed. And it's really easy to go, go negative. But when I think about it from like a silver linings perspective, my role and the way I'm able to contribute here, the way R&Co has allowed me to contribute has been nothing short of amazing. Um, we launched immediately a plan of attack for digital education. How do we tap into these platforms that we're active in, whether it's email, Facebook, Instagram, Zoom, like how do we tap into these platforms that we have access to, to bring digital education to the world of professional hairdressing and also introduce our products to customers and clients and beauty enthusiasts and people that care about what they put on their hair. And then at the same time, we were able to introduce our affiliate program, which was always on the books and a dream for r Co, but it wasn't the number one priority until salons were closed. Yeah. And so once the lawns really shut down, we were able to expedite these dreams of launching the RM Club affiliate program. And we had this big goal of, of hitting a million dollars in sales. And, and we were like, Oh my God, like for me, I was thinking like, Oh my God, this is such a big number, but we hit it and we hit it fast. And now we're on to the next goal. And you know, with this program and being invited to the table to contribute to the conversation about what it should look like and how do we structure it, this is a brand that does the right thing. You know, I have products around me on my desk and I love looking at them and seeing like 
they're vegan, they're Leaping Bunny certified, they're gluten-free, they're environmentally friendly, but they also like, they're paying 40% commissions to salons every week, direct deposit. And I say they, but it's so cool to be like, we, we do this. And I just, it's amazing. Everything we do, every t- every conversation we have, like I just got off a call right now where we were talking about how do we help California? Like they've been under lockdown for so long and now they're dealing with these wildfires and like, yeah. like, what do we do to help California? And it's so cool to be with a brand that's having these kind of conversations. Like what can we do to help? So Alison, like speaking of being with a brand, like you seem, you already mentioned, you're kind of like a family, you're very close knit. And with this conversation today, we're focusing around community, but just like values, the word community can take various meanings. How do you define the concept? Like, what does it mean to you? When I started in beauty, about a year into my role at Modern Salon, I enrolled in beauty school. And that would help me better understand the industry. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was not going to be a hairdresser, but I knew that I needed to know the realities of what being a hairdresser was like. To me, there was this statistic that stood out that was like, after three years, something staggering, like 77% of people drop out of the industry after three years. And community to me means support. And what social media has brought to the table is creating this online community of like-minded artists and talent that reignites that passion, that reignites that feeling of you're not alone. Oh, you're going through that too. And, and sharing and support and community in both where you live and where you get kind of support. Like if your spouse is sick and you need childcare, having community to help you mm-hmm. to tell you everything's going to be okay, whether it's family or amazing neighbors, or if you're go to church or whatever it is, it's having a network really for me. And to me now looking at the industry and as it relates to community, it's about the people and it's about having the resources to connect with like-minded talent and like-minded groups of people that are after the same goals that you are. And um, really looking at these resources that are out there that really collect people and collect like thought leaders and finding inspiration there. And it's at your fingertips. So for me, I have community for people that are working moms that are doing kindergarten e-learning. I have community for people that like online retailing, like if they're cleaning out their house and they're selling all this stuff, like in a virtual garage sale, I have community for my neighborhood and what's going on in the neighborhood here. What events can you do and what's going on in neighborhood watch stuff. And then I have community for industry, community for journalism, community for young professionals. And it's just everything's at your fingertips and you can organize it by thread and organize it by topic. And I mean, there's just endless ways to stay re-inspired. And I've heard, you know, from many artists that I've talked to in the industry and salon owners that that staggering statistic of people that have dropped out Mm -hmm. has been drastically lowered. People are finding their passion again, because they're staying inspired through free education, through social free education, through, you know, everything from YouTube videos to just like interesting pictures on the internet. And, and I'm just so excited about the whole thing. Well, like throughout your career, even just at modern, if you look at those 12 years, you've built countless stylists and salon recognition programs. And you're talking about the affiliate program just there with RNCO. 
Um, I'm sure these are all like really proud achievements of yours. What has been like the most, I suppose, useful insight uh, that you've learned about building communities over like, let's say those 12 years at Modern? I think it's really been about defining and really redefining what it means to be an influencer. Mm-hmm. When you hear influencer, you picture somebody with like a six figure following somebody who's hawking product and left and right. And they're creating cool content that supports those products. And they're selling, selling, selling throughout my experience. It's been about discovering talent that might not have a big following, but they're incredible content creators. Mm-hmm. So everything I'm going to talk about today is likely going to be through that social media lens because that's like where I'm hyper-focused right now. And thinking about people aspire to partner up with a brand, for example, and they're like, oh, r Co. would never want to work with me because I have 3,000 followers. That's not true. Like working at Modern Salon and seeing brands that thrive with influencer marketing, it's because they're partnering up with strong content creators, more ambassador, more brand champion versus mm-hmm six-figure influencer. Like people want to work with their raving fans. And brands that thrive in influencer marketing are the ones that are working with people that are passionate about their brand. Not the people with zillions of followers that are hawking this blonding product. And then the next week it's this blonding product or this extension line. And the next week it's that extension line. Like, what do you actually love? How do you tap into your audience to broadcast that to the world? And then how do you connect with those brands? You know, like I, you know, moderating the R and co social feeds, I would much rather post about an artist who's always talking about R and co and sharing R and co content than someone with a zillion followers. That's like, if someone goes and visits their page, it's this brand, this brand, this brand, this brand, like who are your people that actually love you and love what you do and what you stand for. Mm -hmm. And the ethos of that brand, like what do they represent and how does that shine through in the artist talking about us, that's the person I want to work with. And so I think it's really been about who are incredible content creators and that let that personality come through way more than it is about the numbers. So then how do we kind of change that sort of mindset? Because you already mentioned that someone sitting there, they're going, I don't have six figure followers. I'm not big enough. Oren Co is never going to want me. But like, if you really are good, how do you change that internal, um, what did you call it, the internal narrative and kind of switch that around to get yourself more involved? Because when we talk about community, if you're new to a community, that actually sounds quite overwhelming. It's like telling someone that's never gone to a networking event, you have to go to a networking event and talk to 10 people. It's it's intimidating sometimes. So how do we change that narrative? So have you guys seen The Last Dance? Yes, it's it's 100% recommend. So I live in Chicago. And so when I saw this Michael Jordan Bulls basketball documentary come out, I am 100% not a sports person at all. But I love Chicago. And I love Michael Jordan. And I love like this underdog story and like Scotty Pippen and like learning about all the figure. I just love good storytelling. And I feel like ESPN, I think that's who did it. It did like a great job with storytelling, like about this, this team that just overcame a lot of obstacles to just take over the sports world, especially Michael Jordan. And, you know, he had Air Jordans that were produced by Nike. And during the Olympics, Reebok was the sponsor and, and he had to wear this windbreaker outfit top and bottom with the Reebok logo and the U.S. colors. 
And I loved that he was like, he stood his ground. He didn't want to wear Reebok, but he had to. He had to. So he found a way to like get out on that platform and he draped an American flag over his shoulders and you didn't see the Reebok. Like, I just love that he like stood behind the brand that he represented. And just to think about that from like a parallel when I am looking at people that tag R and Co on Instagram and and are using R and Co's hashtags, like if I see a zillion other brands tagged, like are you just tagging brands to tag brands and get our attention, or did you actually use us? Like, so I'm way more inclined to talk to and showcase the work of an artist that is like all about us. That's like loyal. And they're talking about R and co they love R and co they're not tagging a zillion other places. It makes me feel like, like more inclined to share your work, you know? And I don't know. I think, I definitely think it can be intimidating. I definitely think it could be, um, overwhelming, but I'll tell you that most beauty brands that have their eye on social media and have their eye on community. And I would feel like that's most brands. They invest in software. And that software is combing social media to see who's talking about you and how they're talking about you. And so every day I'm on these programs and they're called Dash Hudson, Tribe Dynamics, like Hyper. There's a million different programs out there. And us as brands, we're investing in them so we can acknowledge and see who our brand champions are. And if you're talking about us and tagging us and repeat, like you're on our radar, Every time you think about a Nike, a Reebok, an R&Co, Adidas, Kim Kardashian, (laughs) we're all looking at who's talking about us. And it's all people in their jammies, at home in their office, dealing with drama from 2020 and e-learning and kids jumping around up here. It's real people behind the brand. We're all just trying to do our jobs, you know, and the social media managers are real people. So make those connections. How can you take an online, like big persona and get connected? That's direct messaging. That's hashtagging the shit out of your post to make sure you get their attention. That's app tagging them. That's talking about them in, 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 in every post that you can do. And really just trying to wave that flag, wave that flag and say, I'm a believer. Believe in me. So that's like from a, an artist perspective, I guess, like if we're talking, let's say about a salon or a spa who wants to get involved in some sort of community, whatever that is, what would be their, their advantage in doing so? Well, so there's a lot of different ways to get involved in community and reigniting that passion. Right now I'm like in love with Facebook and I'm probably the only human you've interviewed that's talking about Facebook right now. <laughs> but I love it because Facebook is so localized and very specific um, and it's private. So So there are Facebook groups right now that are very specific to topics and to job roles and functions and how you can find that community that are, it's like confidential uh, information that you're sharing with like-minded people. And so I don't know if you've seen commercials, but like Facebook is really investing in groups right now and they have like kazoo group. If you love to play kazoo, do this, do that. So Facebook is a great resource for salon owners to find community. You can do the search bar and just type in salon owner. You could type in salon today, which is a forum just for salon owners. LinkedIn is another incredible resource too, where you can find people who have the same role as you and really start those conversations and relationships. Because the reality is, 
everybody's kind of craving connection, especially when you're not getting on airplanes. We're all craving that that connection where how can you find people and, and stay inspired when, when we're all just kind of trapped in our house right now? You know, like we're all just kind of trapped and... Um, so many owners have been able to step away from their business. If you look at it as a positive and, and think about whether it's their decor or um, their culture or their mission statement, and they were able to step away and reevaluate where they want to be while their salon was in lockdown. And now that the doors are open, that might've become like a dwindling fantasy, like, like, it wasn't as realistic to implement those new behaviors or change the culture. Now that everything's insane and people are coming in the door and you have to implement new sanitation procedures. So it's really important that you continue that learning, even though live events are canceled, there's everything at your fingertips. Brands are going all out right now to keep those connections going through virtual education, but really just a quick search on Facebook or LinkedIn can open that door to people just like you going through the same, same realities. How much weight should we, or emphasis should we put on building a community? So well, you said you've got an e-learning community or you've got a garage sale community. There are personal objectives, there are personal goals where you want to be involved in them. But when you're looking at your, your salon, your business, should building a community weigh heavily in your business strategy or should it be just a marketing plan? Like, What advice would you have on approaching that? I think as much as it helps you professionally, it helps you personally. I think about what keeps me up at night. And I was talking to Zoe about this earlier. You know, when you're a leader, you're responsible for so much. And when you're a leader who's also dealing with um, leading a household or leading all of a sudden homeschooling, like there's a lot going on right now. And you're alone a lot of times. You know, our founder, Tev Finger, I was talking to him about what it takes to be a strong, effective leader. And he was talking about a wolf pack. And the way a wolf pack is structured is the eldest are at the front and they set the pace for the full pack. Right behind those, those the eldest are four to five of the strongest wolves and they're designed to protect the front of the pack. Behind them are the youngest and the mothers. And right behind the youngest and the mothers are the next strongest wolf pack of five and they're designed to protect them from the sides and all the way at the back is the leader and the leader walks alone and the leader is often the strongest but they're looking out at all angles to make sure everybody's protected and the whole pack is in line but that leader has to be okay with walking alone that leader can't talk to the rest of the group and say how worried they are or talk about you know, uncertain times and how much money's in the bank and how future-proofed the business is, you know, like that's stuff that keeps you up at night. And without a network of community where you can share those things in confidence, like you can write it down in a diary, but you're not getting feedback. And you can talk about it with your spouse or you could talk about it with your girlfriends, whatever it is. You, you need a network of like-minded professionals that can empathize with you, that have walked in those shoes. And I just was really um, inspired by that statement that Tev said. And he showed me this picture of a wolf pack and it's true. There's a lot to learn from animals, even though they're not talking to you, studying what it means to be a strong leader. And you've 
got to find a network to unload, to vent. That's not maybe your personal circle. You've got to find like-minded professionals. And I think, although I wouldn't say it needs to be part of your professional business plan, I think your personal mental health more than anything would benefit from finding community. If, if you're looking at like a, a brand community, even just like R&Co, for instance, who at the end of the day should it serve uh, either equally like the brand and the artists, uh, like it's mutually beneficial for everyone kind of thing? Or is it different, do you think? I think there's a lot of different ways that building community can help you navigate all platforms that you're active on as a brand and really just like rewinding and thinking about my past career at Modern Salon. Yeah. Back in the day, right when I started and, and way earlier, editors would write content and their source pool was so limited. It was the brands and the platform artists that worked for the brands. And we would talk about trends that would be happening in six months. In six months from today, here's what you're going to be seeing. And even looking at things like fashion week, there are always like several seasons ahead. Like here are the, the, the trends that are going to be happening in six months. And then social media happened and people were no longer penning letters to the editor. And fashion week has been flipped upside down because of this instant gratification that's so relevant to every industry. People want it and they want it now. They don't want to wait six months. Mm. And for a magazine to say, in six months, this is what's going to be happening. Social media changed all of that. And now you're able to see what's happening with a couple swipes of your thumb in Singapore, in Cleveland, Ohio, in New York, in Ireland, and trends used to trickle in. You know, it would start in Europe and make its way toward like the middle America. And now it's all happening at the same time. So if it's hair color trend, it helps the stylist. If it's um, product lines and business education, it helps the owner, which in turn helps, you know, it helps everybody. So mm -hmm. I think the way you define community and the way you define brand strategy and the way you define connection, it helps everybody. Because we're so connected, so connected. And you're able to see just how connected you are through seeing who are your mutual friends, you know? And if you're kind of vetting somebody and vetting a colorist, if I go and look, oh, who, who follows Lexi? Oh, Taryn follows Lexi. Taryn, how was your appointment with Lexi? And it happens, 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 yeah. you know? Redefine what it means to have a recommendation or a testimonial. It's just so instantaneous. So let's say then you have a following, but you want to create that into the community that we've just discussed today, because it is a bit of a fine line. You might think, oh, I've got a community because you've got thousands of followers. But if they're not actively engaging with you, how do you change that around and start turning your followers or your fans into a community that you can collaborate with? I think we're so focused on public interaction that we forget about private engagement. And so many of the relationships that I've had in my personal life and really my professional life have been advanced through what's happening privately. 
So even though we might not be publicly exchanging little love fests of comments, we're having real engagement happening on direct messaging on inbox. So responding to people's Instagram stories, you know, and starting those conversations, you know, and instead of just leaving like an emoji comment on somebody's post, hopping over to messages and saying, I loved that, that balayage. How did you do that? Or was that a combination of TZ lights and foils? Tell me more. Like having those private interactions not only increases loyalty, but it also prompts that person to like, think of you. Mm -hmm. So if you're, if you're like a, a, a stylist and you want to continue those virtual interactions with your customer, you can continue to recommend product to them over DM. Like, Hey girl, saw you at, you know, the zoo the other day, blonde looking fierce, but have you tried sunset Boulevard blonde toning mask? I mean, like there's so many ways to extend that relationship beyond what's happening publicly. So my biggest recommendation is, is those private DMS and really, you know, keeping authenticity front and center because you're not like showing off. You're really having an engaging relationship with that person, but it just builds loyalty to know that somebody's thinking of you and they went out of their way. You know, nobody writes letters anymore. (laughs) Nobody writes handwritten thank you notes. Like it's, it's exciting to get those notes. So I think it's all about that private engagement. And how do you know that like you're doing any of what we've been talking about so far, right? How do you know like it's successful? How do you know you're getting somewhere with it? I think it's good to look at your engagement rates too. And there's calculators out there. You could do a quick Google search and see like how, you know, what your engagement rate is. But the reality is so many people have different goals. Like your goal might be to have that six figure following. And I have so much respect for that. I mean, so many doors can open for you when you have a massive following. So many of my closest friends, you know, we started on Instagram together and I see their careers skyrocket. And it's all through having a strong social presence, letting your personality shine through, partnering up with brands, doing tutorials, getting paid, getting products sent to you in the mail. Like that's the dream. But I've also seen COVID crush those dreams. Mm -hmm. When the economy is tanking, the first budget to get cut is marketing, which is media, which is agency, which is influencers. And I saw a lot of people with steady gigs coming through no longer see those dollars because they were cut. You know, they were cut. When you're an influencer, it's not necessarily predictable income. It's gig by gig by gig. And in an unpredictable economy, unfortunately, you're probably going to be one of the first things to go. So to really measure, you know, I think contract is everything. Get under contract with a brand that believes in you and wants to be part of their team rather than hawking this product, talking that product, talking this one, like get connected to the brand that you know and love and build that loyalty. So look online at your engagement rate. I really respond to every comment that's coming in and, and really think about like what you want and then do it. Like if you want to be better at Instagram stories, watch more Instagram stories. If you want to great on live streams, watch more live streams. If you want more comments, leave more comments. If you want more followers, follow more people. On a localized level, Mm -hmm. I'm in the suburbs of Chicago. And if I wanted to grow my following, I should look at people that live in the suburbs of Chicago. And how do you do that? Look at like 
the yoga studio down the road and who's following them. Follow those people and leave little direct messages to them and say like, hey, love your hair, would love to welcome you into my space. Look at the florist. Oh, I love those roses, whatever it is. Like, how do you get connected? How do you stay connected? And really looking at your following, building your following, and then removing those lurkers and creeps that are have no profile picture. They're not leaving love. They have never posted anything. Like, get rid of it. That's been one of the biggest eye-openers the past few months. I was talking to Brie Luloff and she is Secrets to Social Media on Instagram. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love her. And she she was talking about just like the joy of removing ghost followers. And <laughs> if you think about it, like I'm- It can a- take a while, but- <laughs> but I've been thinking about it from like a parallel industry. And if I was in a restaurant and I saw somebody bring out like a tray of cake- And I knew who at that table had been just having one glass of wine and they're not going anywhere and they're taking up that space. And these people, like, I mean, you study everybody. And I'm watching this cake get handed out to people that I know are not going to eat it. Like that server can't take that cake off that table and give it to somebody else. Like the cake has been served. It's gone. When you have followers that are receiving your content that Instagram is feeding them and they're not liking it and they're not engaging with it, you've just wasted an entire piece of cake that cannot be given out again. Like removing those random lurkers and creeps ensures that the finite group of people that Instagram is going to allow to see your content is actually seeing it. And I just think that that is such an empowering strategy is to get rid of all that noise. Like I'd rather remove 50 followers and ensure that 50 people that do care about what I have to say are going to see it. That's Mm. probably the best description I've ever heard about the whole like (laughs) engagement. Yeah. Because we like it's everyone knows that like Facebook, Instagram, they only show a small percentage, but yeah, to say the whole cake analogy, that was brilliant, fair play. <laughs> yeah. And I'd say it's, it's, it's nearly the same thing. Like if you look at, I'm sure you moderate some, some Facebook groups, but like as a moderator, I'm assuming you're kind of doing that all the time. What makes a good moderator? Patience, so, I'd imagine. When I started moderating social communities, it was really like, I would say it was 2008, 2009. So it was really at like the start of it all. And I remember like bully comments would come in and like people that have something to say that you just wish would be quiet. Mm -hmm. And a good moderator now knows their audience well enough to know that they tend to police themselves. So if somebody says something kind of shitty, knowing when to back off and let the audience take care of it, takes that pressure off you as the moderator, but it also doesn't like fan the flames. I feel like if you delete somebody's mean comment, like it can sometimes just be like adding gasoline Mm -hmm. and they just erupt and like, oh, you deleted my comment. You guys are afraid of the truth. Like don't silence me. (laughs) And so like being a moderator, knowing that like having rules in place And having strategy in place is really important so that you have like a GPS. Like if someone goes, ew, that's ugly, I'm not going to delete it. But if somebody were to say something like, whoever created that has no business being it. And if they take it one step too far, I'll remove it. So I think just like a business should have a mission statement, who that business is on social media should also have some sort of 
mission statement, like what you're willing to tolerate. Sure, you can say this look isn't for me, but if you start making personal attacks on like the artist, what he or she is wearing, like some of that stuff is just, it, it does way more harm than good to leave it up there. And so also along the way, I've certainly shared things that I thought were maybe funny or like cheeky and they ended up being offensive. And I think also acknowledging those missteps. And if you're reading the comments, which is another key point for any moderator is I recommend you read the comments, <laughs> see what the community is responding to and what they're not responding to and how they're responding and really like learning your audience. It allows you to be empowered and it allows you insight into, into this whole world. And when I started moderating communities, it was right at the time I went to beauty school. And the goal of going to beauty school was to understand the everyday realities of a hairdresser and a salon owner and like what that whole world is like, fully knowing I was not going to do hair. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until I was really listening to my reader that I knew the realities. And thinking about things like the way tutorials were written back in the day, like step one, doing an updo. I'll give you a parallel. You know, when you want to go to the grocery store or you're driving somewhere and you put it in your maps, Yep. like, don't you wish there was a way to skip the first 10 steps? Like you know how to get out of your neighborhood. So going to beauty school like, allowed me to skip the first 10 steps, you know, and then moderating these communities allowed me to skip the first 10 steps and be like, once the hair is in quadrants, do this. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Rather yeah. than being like, forehead to nape make a section then recession to recession like you don't have to say that just make quadrants you know so, <laughs> um, i think any good moderator knows the industry they're serving they don't have to go to beauty school but pay attention to the comments learn about what's going to ignite excitement what might disturb and fan the flames and really just like listen and pay attention I'd imagine that was quite the journey when you started moderating where you had to deal with all the comments and stuff at first. But like, was it long before it finally got to the stage that your community just kind of jumped in? Like, I'm sure that's something that you don't forget is when that finally you get to sit down and go, you know what? I don't have to respond here today. I think, I think, was it um, who was Christina Cradle uh, referring to to her community as minions taking care the of minions. Like, I'm sure that's such a relief when that's your job. So like, yeah. true. And also defining the community. You know, when I was at Modern Salon, we had a very clear community. This was the hairdresser. And mm -hmm. so the kind of content that they responded to was not only beautiful finishes and like the image, but also the caption, that storytelling. What was the formula? Who was this client? What was her existing hair color level? How far away did she drive from to see this person? And what is her level of commitment to this color? Was she black box dye and now she wants to be a blonde? And like the technical side of it. And at R Co, it's a mixed bag. Like you have both the professional hairdresser and also the consumer that uses R&Co. Yeah. And so there's definitely been areas that we've talked about benefits of starting a hairdresser only page. But I feel like so much about what we do now is translation. How do we make this content relevant to both the stylist and the end consumer? And it all comes back to that perfect blend of edutainment, like education meets entertainment. And, you know, 
each community that I hop to, whether it's Facebook or TikTok or Reels or Instagram or Twitter or Pinterest, which is a huge underutilized resource in professional beauty. Each one of these communities has its own moment, its own like, oh my God, this was such a win. You know, and it all comes back to knowing the audience. It all comes back to that was a win. And it doesn't always have to be like for our and co like so focused on the salon and the hairdresser, but it's about beauty. It's about hair. It's about confidence, about feeling yourself. And it's funny memes that are relatable to 2020. And once you know your audience, I feel like you're just set up for success. So what's the next big thing you'd like to work on that could help the salon industry, the communities that you're in? My big dream on a personal level is to develop a curriculum about Pinterest, which is such a passion for me. Coming from a very content-based role, not just on social media, but on modernsalon.com and using social to drive traffic to that content to like take it one step further. My articles have always ranked within the top 10. Even things I wrote years ago are still ranking in the top 10 because of Pinterest. And how can stylists and salon owners take that content, take every minute they're investing on other social platforms, on their salon blog, how can they maximize that where they're creating content that's easily discoverable, that people do a quick Google search or a Google image search and their content is appearing first, which not only achieves the goal of getting more eyes on your content and really making sure that that time you invested pays off, it ultimately builds your followers. It builds your expertise. It makes you way more easy to be thought of, whether it's booking that next appointment or going to see who, what was that last post they did on social. So I think Pinterest can fuel so many people. And I just want to be able to find a day where I could be disciplined and write it down <laughs> so that I can so like we used to have these meetings I used to have my team of editors at modern have a power hour where we would say if you had one hour to do whatever you wanted what would it be and then we would do it and it was it was inspiring and exciting because it like some of these things when it's not you know the squeaky wheel gets the whatever gets the oil or whatever it is this is one of those things that like it could change people's lives. And I've seen the power of social media and seen the power of these different platforms literally change people's lives. So how can we make Pinterest a part of that? And I would just want to spill the beans. Like I want to write it down, teach it in a way that's digestible to just maximize every moment, you know? And I think about people like Larissa Love, Sydney Lopez, Shelly Gregory. Like these might not be names that you certainly recognize. Like I told you earlier in this conversation, we're all just people, no matter who you work for, whether it's Nike or Sony or Sega or Nintendo. I don't even know if those brands even exist anymore, but there's real people behind those brands. And we're all looking for connection. We're all looking at like, who's talking about us and how are people talking about us? And so thinking about Larissa Love, Shelly Gregory, Sydney Lopez, modern salon editors were the first people to ever discover their work. They posted it on social. It was a real person who found it, a real person who shared it. And each one of those people have more than 100,000 followers on Instagram. And it's not just the followers as some sort of stamp of approval, but they've their whole lives have changed. Yeah. Look at somebody like Lala's Updo's. She was working three jobs 
just to make ends meet. And now she works weekends only. She's traveled the world teaching what she loves. She has more time with her kid. She's, she's working with all of her favorite brands through putting it out there. Look at somebody like Sydney Lopez. She's now signed an exclusive with her favorite color brand. She never has to miss another bedtime again. She's doing everything she wants to do because she put it out there and someone discovered their work, you know? So really thinking about how can you take advantage of this stuff at your fingertips? How do you put it out there to get somebody's attention and just go for it? You have nothing to lose. This is a free tool for anybody. Well, speaking of going for it, I say in a month's time, I reach back out to you and hit you up about the Pinterest curriculum and see if you've gotten that hour in. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much, Alison, for your time. Uh, if people want to connect with you, how can they do that? So I'm A-L-I-S-O-N and my last name is Alhamed, A-L-H-A-M-E-D. And I'm at Alison Alhamed on Instagram. I also moderate the Co Instagram page. So if you ever want to send a direct message, feel free to do that. Um, we've recently hired on Jamie Newman, who also came from Modern Salon and she is a rock star. And so she's also managing all the direct messages on r Co. And so we're always looking for new work. We're looking for top talent. It's not always about those big numbers. It's about strong content creators. And I must tell you, thinking about those three women I talked about earlier, Larissa, Shelly, Sydney, even Lala, all it takes is a great feature. And Arnco has 235,000 followers. That's 235,000 opportunities to get eyeballs on your work. Like, please tag us, tell us how you're using the product, show us your techniques and, and, and show us a little bit of your personality because we, we want to discover new talent and we want to showcase new work and give people the opportunity to get their platform and get noticed. And I'm grateful every single day that I get to be a part of this industry and, you know, living your life with gratitude feels really good. It feels really good. And I'm just so happy. And, um, one last thing is that I had a lot of worries. One of the worries was leaving Modern Salon, which is a brand that's so connected to all of the important beauty brands out there. Yeah. I was really nervous that by going to one brand, would I be limiting myself? Would I be limiting the people that I get to talk to and that want to even talk to me? And the reality has been the complete opposite. I love that Forrest reached out to me and wanted to talk and wanted to see what I'm seeing and learn with me along the way. And I'm so grateful every day that these connections have stayed strong. And I think a lot of it has to do with social media. I think a lot of it has to do with like mm -hmm. those digital connections and how important it is to have those private interactions. And so I'm grateful so much uh, to have this time with you guys and so happy that we are in this little LBP family together too. It's awesome. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And you know what they say sometimes when you were nervous about something, you just got to take that leap and it seems like it's paid off for you. So fair play. Yeah, I'm so happy. And uh, thank you guys so much. And um, I hope that we continue to talk and see how we can keep the collaborations going. Absolutely. Alison, once again, thank you so much. I'm sure we'll be chatting real soon. As salons and spas reopen, they're also shaping a new normal in which various processes are undergoing considerable changes. The feature you've been waiting for is here. 
You can now send consultation forms and disclaimers to clients and get all the information you need to prepare for their appointment before they arrive at your salon. Prepare, protect, pre-send. It couldn't be easier or safer. And with email and SMS sending options, you can reach every client in your salon's database. Pre-send consultation forms by Forest Salon Software. Get security and assurance with health checkboxes and client signatures before every appointment. It's time to get back in business with Forest. Standard SMS rates apply. Upgrade your package today and create unlimited customized service consultation forms using our simple form builder tool. Visit forest.com for more details. Moving on to the inside Forest segment, we don't actually have any new Forest Academy courses, but again, we have quite a few courses in the making you can expect to see over the next few weeks. In the meantime, we've loads of courses and course series available for you to access, covering each and every area of your forest system. You can check it out at forestacademy.com and log in there, or you can access Forest Academy through your forest system by going to Manager, Training and Forest Academy. As always, if you've any questions in relation to the courses, any courses you'd like to see us add to the library, or just need general help or queries with accessing the academy, just email forestacademy at forest.com. And as of tomorrow, you'll be able to watch a brand new on-demand webinar we have hosted by business leadership coach Ronit Inos. And the title for this webinar is Lifestyle Recruiting, Building a Salon Team That Helps You Scale. It'll be available uh, to watch on demand on force.com forward slash US resources. And she's going to go through tips for running and growing a successful salon. More specifically, learning why some of your staff are not 100% buying into your vision, why why salons lose team members to other salons, understanding what things are different in today's context and what you can do to perform strongly and how to leverage the power of lifestyle recruitment and reach the top 5% of the most profitable salons. You can watch this webinar for free. It's an hour long and the link as usual will be in today's episode's show notes. Finally, don't forget to head over to force.com forward slash FM to subscribe to our show's email newsletter, which goes out every Wednesday. With this newsletter, you'll be getting all the updates and guest downloadable content, resources that they can provide uh, delivered straight to your inbox. And we promise we don't ever spam you. On that note, that's all we've got for this week. And as always, if you want to share your thoughts on Forest FM or this episode specifically, have a question for Alison, perhaps send us an email at forestfm at force.com or leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, stay safe and we'll catch you next Monday. All the best. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z. Great music makes great moments. Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Forest FM, the Salon Owners Podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. We help salon owners get their clients back in more often, spending more, and generating referrals. Let's grow.